Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. Secure Talk is brought to you by AdaQuest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and today I'm here with AdaQuest CEO Hiram Machado, and we're going to be talking about some of the issues that have been in the news this last week. And as we're one week out from GDPR, we're going to touch a bit on that. Hiram, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. What about you, Mark? Well, pretty good. It's a Friday, and I can't complain. Um, the weather is supposed to be nice for the weekend, and so uh, things are... I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me, me too, <laughs> me too. Uh, but before we step into that sunshine of the weekend, we should talk a little bit about some serious issues. Um, I think we can start with GDPR. I mean, basically, we're like a week out, right? A week uh, out, huh? What's it? Uh, today's the 16th, 17th, something like that, so yeah, we're about yeah. 10 days out, right? Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to companies that are, because we know we're getting, our phone is ringing. A lot of companies are saying, hey, uh, you know what, we, we want to take this serious now. And they've had, you know, a couple of years to ramp up, uh, but it's still, it's not too late. And even past the deadline, it's not too late. I mean, you can always move towards compliance. But what advice would you give to an organization that at this point says, we need to do something? Yeah, it's a funny thing. We may have to update our, our presentations and the slides because so far I have been saying GDPR is coming, GDPR is coming, now we're going to have to change everything. It's so here. It's here, right? <laughs> it's right. live now, right? That's right. Yeah, and uh, well, we are working with a lot of customers uh, in the preparations. Uh, and I don't want to, uh, um, you know, uh, the reality is even our customers, some of our customers, are, they're not yet ready, right? They're all in the process of Right, getting compliance with GDPR. Uh, I think that's what everybody should be thinking about. I don't know if you notice how many updated uh, privacy statements you may I'm have getting, received. From I'm getting <laughs> emails every day, and in some ways, I'm really encouraged that um, there's you know a lot of companies are taking this serious. At the same time, I'm thinking like, God, what a hassle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's just one part of it, right? Exactly. That's not nearly the only thing that we need to do there's a lot to be done in terms of uh, setting up your infrastructure and processes in accordance to GDPR uh, so I think that from an advice standpoint is if you have already started your journey that's great uh, uh, stay in course uh, uh, and uh, keep going and uh, that's going to be important if, if there is ever an incident or if you are ever uh, um, audited by any authority at least you, you can show you know, the, the good faith and progress towards it. If we have not started, um, it's not late, uh, right? These things, the fact that it's going to be on the 25th is the GDPR day, it doesn't mean that every company around the globe will get a call from, <laughs> from the right. GDPR authority right. and you, you have to be compliant that day, right? Uh, but you want to get started, you want to uh, show uh, good faith when that happens and uh, show that you are in the progress. So my advice is, if you haven't thought about it, get it started okay so that's some good advice don't don't just you know put your head in the sand and delay um, one of the approaches that uh, Microsoft advocates is taking a or putting together a team of advisors to to work with companies on GDPR preparation um, and you know we we follow that when we when we work with our customers as well we, we, we tell them look we can help you in certain areas 
uh, but we can't do everything for you. You need to really work internally with the team and then you need to get a team of external advisors. What are some of the key team members, if you were going to put together a team of external advisors, what are some of the key um, team members that you would bring to the table? Yeah, I think that for GDPR as well as for any compliance or or even just security, right? Uh, cybersecurity in general. There are th three pillars that I that I, I think about that you know you cannot f you cannot miss, right? Okay. Uh, there is the technology component of it. It's, that's what a lot of what we do and how we have our. So customers, give some right? examples of how technology helps companies towards GDPR compliance. Well, that is uh, uh, how you manage governance in terms of how you manage data, uh, who has access to the data, uh, how is that access granted. Okay, so you're people, talking about like right? data loss prevention um, tools, uh, data data labeling, correct, uh, to, to enact policies on that data, that on kind that of data, information. Uh, right. uh, tracking systems or, or auditing systems. So mm -hmm. if something happens, you can track back and trace back where what originated uh, that. So those are some of the things that we need to think about from a technology perspective in terms of how to do. There's also, I mean, just to add in, I mean, we do a lot of work with uh, compliance manager, right, which really is a tool that um, helps compliance uh, executives and, and, and team teams track their compliance posture uh, in relation to certain compliance yeah. ordinances. For example, GDPR will have one set of regulations. There'll be HIPAA, SOC 2, NIST, um, and it can be challenging if you're just trying to track that with an Excel sheet or, right. or, or whatever. Mm. Um, but uh, Microsoft Compliance Manager actually looks at what you've done, helps you, you can assign responsibility to different teammates. You can track whether or not somebody has followed through on a responsibility. And so that's not necessarily um, like a, a data loss prevention tool or a security tool, but it's it's more like a project management tool, right? Right. right. Yeah, it's your dashboard, right? It's your so dashboard, you know right. what it is. And also, in addition to that, to that, to the ability to uh, follow up with uh, the, the controls that are necessary, it also organizes things in a way that now it's easier for you to report on <laughs> right. what you have done, what you are doing, and what's your level of compliance. So Absolutely. that's really an important tool. Uh, whether it's Microsoft Compliance Manager or something else, I think it's exactly it, it's a basic thing that you, you have to have on your in your organization. Okay. Uh, interesting thing to uh, comment as well that I, I especially for the U.S. based companies, I have heard from some now clients and and uh, when we are talking about it, companies thinking, oh maybe you know I don't sell to I don't I don't have a presence in Europe and. Uh, I do uh, sell to Europe, yes, but I, I use a third-party, you know, company that uh, collect the data and uh, and they ship and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, right, and a lot of companies may be a little bit more relaxed, believing <laughs> that uh, that is enough to uh, to protect them. But the reality is, and I want to be very clear here, is the reality is if you are intentionally marketing to that that audience, right. And, uh, and even if you're collecting the data through a third party, right, you are still considered what they, what they call the controller of that data. Mm -hmm. It does not matter whether you are hosting yourself that data or if a third party is hosting, you are still the controller. That third party that you're using, they are still in the hook for it as well. They're still uh, liable as much as you, but as a processor of that data because they are not the ones selling Right, the goods right. to, to the European um, So some market. organizations might think that they're kind of diffusing some risk by offloading that to a processor, but if they're the actual controller, 
um, then they're still on the hook for GDPR. They're right? still on the hook for the GDPR. Okay, so but we were talking um, about the team that we're going to put together with right. the technology. Okay, what other team members would you bring to the table? Yeah, so then uh, definitely some legal advice, okay. right? And you have to get that, that legal uh, pillar together um, and have somebody from the legal perspective that has a better understanding uh, of what it takes that can review your your terms and conditions can review some of your your privacy policy, statements privacy statements and policy documentation and third often forgot is uh, security oh i'm sorry is insurance okay uh, the insurance is an important pillar i think you know uh, there is there is no such thing as 100% secure right there is no such thing as 100% compliant right okay so there is always a risk it doesn't matter how much money you put into it, in, into it it doesn't matter how big you are there is always a risk because Nothing is, technology is evolving every day, things are evolving every day, and there is always a risk. So uh, the interesting thing about insurance is if you wait for a breach to happen to get insurance, guess what? Too late. You won't get an insurance. <laughs> right. Nobody will insure you after something has happened. Right. Um, I know it's, it's sometimes a hard concept to think about because mm-hmm. there is always the belief that you're doing enough, that I don't need it, I'm, I'm good. But uh, I encourage companies to look at um, their cybersecurity insurance. And moreover, I encourage them to look at if they already have cybersecurity insurance. Moreover, I encourage them to really review it carefully to see how much of you know, uh, GDPR-related uh, 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 risks they are covering. Yeah, that's some really good advice. And we know that a lot of organizations uh, have business insurance. Um, there's a subset of that that's called cyber insurance that relates to any type of breach um, or cybersecurity-related issue. Um, a lot of companies just assume that GDPR will be covered under that, and that can be a mistaken assumption or a wrong assumption. Um, as you just pointed out, you need to check your policy, make sure that it covers GDPR, and it specifically will cover any fines because right. it might help you in case of a breach or, or some type of damages related to you, an EU uh, resident, but it may exclude fines. And right. fines are a huge component of GDPR, right? This is the big stick that's getting everybody uh, in line and, and, and scaring them towards compliance is that 4% of global revenues or 20 million euros, whatever is right. greater. I mean, you got to make sure that your insurance policy covers that. There's one more thing. This, all of these three pillars, they work in tandem, right? They work together because, for example, even if you have all of, all of the insurance in the world, if that's your only source, if that's the only thing that you are doing about it, uh, and if you have an incident, guess what? If the insurance company look at you and say, you have done nothing right. <laughs> to protect yourself, uh, they won't pay you, right. right? So you have to do all the three parts right. in order to be properly covert. Right. Okay. So that's that's a really good point. And again, insurance isn't part of being GDPR compliant, but it is part of a GDPR preparation plan, right? Yeah, it's a part absolutely. of an overall plan. Okay. So let's uh, let's jump tracks here. Um, you know, we're, these days, I'm looking at the news um, this last week, but this is something that's been kind of uh, occurring with increasing frequency. There's been a lot of discussion about uh, uh, crypto crypto jacking. Okay, so for the last couple of years, we've heard you know horror stories about ransomware. Yeah, um, and the incidence of ransomware has gone down dramatically. I think uh, I read a report recently published by Symantec that said something. Uh, you know, the the, the, the ransomware um, attacks have dropped. You know, uh, more than fifty percent. 
whereas crypto jacking um, incidents have gone up by 8,500% in the last quarter of 2017, which is obviously it's a huge, huge increase. Um, have you have you heard much about this uh, crypto jacking? Yeah, uh, I know that's definitely on the news. That's something that uh, uh, we need just to pay more attention to and make sure that people are aware of mm-hmm. of that trend, right? That right. they're saying things are shifting, and things and, are shifting. And, and, and that is the, the thing with security and with technology in general. Things shift and rather rapidly. Right? Yeah, it's out of out of the sun, and now there is something new that we need to to really pay attention to and, uh, and and look at. So that's definitely something that they have to to be aware of. To right? be aware of. And yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting because um, the well, for, for starters, the attack vectors are different. Um, if you look at traditional ransomware or malware attacks, they typically originate with some type of phishing campaign. Right. And you know those. Uh, often, you know, often fail, and then maybe you do get somebody who would click on um, some type of loaded file, download the, uh, the the ransomware onto their device, onto their network, um, and then even then, though, um, if if something, if some of their data was encrypted, they may opt to pay. They may they may say, forget it, we've done a backup, or maybe the maybe the data isn't worth the the requested payment. So there's a lot of work to be done in terms of the phishing, um, the, the you know the, the setting of the appropriate price. I mean, we've heard recently that uh, uh, this group Samsung they they were quite effective because they were able to through social engineering figure out what you know what a client or a target uh, would be able to pay right. Right. You know, yeah. what, the, what was their threshold of payment? Yeah. But so there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and then following through on a, a ransomware campaign. Mm-hmm. Whereas with crypto jacking, I mean, some, some of the uh, some of the attacks are can just they can happen without even knowing because they're there. You, you, you go to a website and they can have some um, some lines of JavaScript running in the background and you click on a website and it will start to run a, a crypto jacking code on your device. Right. And you, you might not even be aware of it, right? Yeah. Um, so what they end up using is they're using your computing power um, or in, in, in some cases they're actually um, benefiting because they're running virtual machines. Um, they're, they're, they're using an organization's power, so their right. electricity, right? So there's kind of two ways in. And as soon as that code starts running, immediately the the hackers or the crypto jackers um, get an ROI on their investment, right? Absolutely, so all yeah. that time spent on social engineering and negotiation and trying to get a payment, forget about all that. Just you know, load up this uh, website with some 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 JavaScript, uh, some some codes there, uh, some lines of code, um, and anytime somebody goes there, boom, yeah. we start to get an ROI. We I shouldn't say that. clarification. That's not we <laughs> adequate. I'm talking about the uh, the crypto jackers out there get an ROI on their investment. Absolutely, yeah. companies are today legitimate companies are spending now uh, um, millions of dollars to set up these huge data centers, looking for uh, uh, cheap energy source locations. Uh, uh, where they can set up the data centers to pay less on, on energy and power and, and have, you know, thousands of computers, right, uh, working to, to, uh, to mine, right, uh, right. mine uh, uh, the, the money. Now, imagine if instead of doing that, they can just use every computer around the globe, right? Right. You open up your computer, the computer is working for them, yeah. right? Uh, and that's what they want. That's what they are, they are going after. And, and they are coming very aggressively Absolutely. with that that 
that idea. And I gotta say, like sometimes when my computer slows down, I'm like, have I been crypto jacked? <laughs> it's just like, why, why all of a sudden does this slow down, right? Mm. And that's another, another, I guess, thing that makes this very attractive is it's pretty tough to detect, um, you know, and and. It, it can be running at some times and maybe other times it's not. And oftentimes the performance degradation isn't huge. Isn't, yes. Right? Often it isn't, yeah. actually. So, so you know, I mean, you know, one of the things that you can do is you can look at your, um, your, your CPU performance. Your, if, you're, if you've got a GPU, you can look at that and see, um, you know, what, what the loads are. Um, and see, wow, is it, you know, normally where if when I'm running these apps, it's at, uh, say, 50%, and all of a sudden right now I'm running the same exact apps, but for it's at 99%, yeah. obviously something's going on there. Um, but you really have to kind of peek under the covers there to see what's, to see if something's happening. Yeah, think about this. There are 1.2 billion Windows machines out there. Wow. Right, one point two billion. Just give me, right? just give me one percent <laughs> of the power, computing power from each one of those. Right, and and apply that to, and I can mine enough whatever currency, cryptocurrency I want. Right, and I won't have to come into work next week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, so that's something that you need to be aware of, and we're gonna try to get some uh, some experts on the show in the next few weeks to to talk and advise people in terms of what to do to detect, but also then protect in, uh, against these crypto jacking attacks. Um, anything in the news that, uh, that that you've noticed or wanted to discuss? Well, I think uh, this week and next week is probably GDPR is the big thing, right? right let's right. let's uh, uh, stay tuned to what's going to happen. The European Union is uh, is lining up their, their auditors to to get it started. Um, everybody's curious and watching. You know what's going to be the first few days. Uh, nobody wants to be the first one to right. be to be fined. Um, and uh, for, like I said, last word is for those who haven't thought about it, please make sure that you look at your, you know, at, at the scope of the work that you do and make sure uh, um, that whether you, you have to comply with it or not and, and take action. Cool. And um, Hiram, if you don't mind, I think I'd like to insert a little bit of an advertisement for AdaQuest here. Um, AdaQuest, if you need help with GDPR uh, preparation, um, compliance, etc., you know, we've got a couple different programs that we run. Uh, one, we do a fundamentals training. Let's just say you're like, you know what? We need to get our heads around this GDPR issue. We can come in and we do a half-day workshop, um, and we bring in all stakeholders, and we go through all different uh, relevant aspects of GDPR, give you the background on it. And um, in addition to that, we do a couple different assessments, right? We right. do um, a detailed assessment that gives you a snapshot of where you're at in terms of people, process, and technology. Um, we do a data discovery assessment to let you to let organizations identify what data they have, map that out, and then at automatically uh, attach labels to that data so you can attach policies to that as well. Right. And we do some other things as well, some assessments related compliance to security manager. and the compliance manager training. So if you need some assistance, please uh, let us know. Now, um, I wanted to close this out by picking on a company that I really, really um, am not a big fan of. Um, and I think it's a company that these days uh, more and more people are loving to hate, and that is uh, Equifax. And Equifax was in the news again, and this time not necessarily for another breach, uh, but just for some of the behind-the-scenes kind of shady deals that they're involved in. And um, I was on the Krebs on Security website. He did a full-blown kind of, uh, well, expose article on this. It, 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 you know that we, um, with the credit agencies that you can request a credit freeze, right? Yes. You know that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
it turns out that um, most consumer organizations out there are relying on the big three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. And when you ask them to do a credit freeze, what that does is it um, basically it helps to protect your information in case of some type of breach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a, a level of protection there. But it turns out that like the major mobile carriers have not been going to the three uh, big credit bureaus. They've been going to something called the centralized credit check system, um, the New York Data Exchange, and the California Utility Exchange, um, which those three organizations make up something called the National Consumer Telecommunications and Utilities Exchange, which sounds like something that's set up for the benefit of the consumers, which it's not. It's set up for the benefit of those telecommunications companies who want to check on their customers' credit levels. Have they paid their bills? Have they defaulted? Who are these people, etc.? So when you ask a credit bureau to freeze your credit, guess what? You still need to contact this National Consumer Telecommunications and Utilities Exchange because they're still out there with your information and sharing it with the mobile carriers and some public utilities. Well, Krebs did some digging, and it turns out that the biggest uh, player or or, um, participant in the National Consumer Telecommunications and Utilities Exchange is the New York Data Exchange. And guess who operates the New York Data Exchange? Guess who? Equifax. <laughs> Equifax Credit Information Services. Okay, so there they are running this organization that sounds like it's set up for the public good, but it's not. It's basically right. to um, sell your data to uh, c- organizations or companies that um, are selling to consumers. Okay, well here's where it gets even a little bit more interesting. Um, the you can call them, and this is the NCTUE. And you all you need is a social security number and an address, and you can request a credit report. That's that's kind of scary, kind right? Of scary, yeah. Okay, so it's easy to get the, the information, but if you want to contact that organization and ask them to freeze your information. Forget about it. Okay, um, uh, uh, Krebs tried to do that. He said it was just it was it was borderline impossible to get it done. Um, and whether that's willful uh, negligence on the part of that organization, or if it's just because their system is all screwed up, he can't really tell. Um, but he did go to the Equifax credit freeze application page, and he found out that that page was being served with an expired SSL certificate from Symantec. So, so you know, it's like Equifax, um, they, did, they had the issues with the breaches, right? Um, they, make it, they made it very difficult for consumers to access or freeze their data. But now you can if you contact Equifax directly. But from these other organizations that Equifax is running, it's almost impossible to freeze your credit. Uh, but... Anybody who has a social security number and an address can show up and get a credit report, right? Um, this, this kind of stuff is really, really annoying to me and scary. I mean, how much data do these people control? And you would think, I mean, their whole company's existence is based upon controlling and owning data. And they're so sloppy with their security hygiene. Um, they're so uh, devious in terms of reporting breaches and not being coming clean and being honest. And then... Here they are, clearly involved with other organizations where they're doing the same exact stuff, 
but because they've there was you know two layers removed in terms of ownership, they are not letting people freeze their reports through these this uh, national what was it called the the NCTUE, which is the uh, National Consumer Telecommunications and Utility Exchange, and the other big one is the New York Data Exchange. It just blows my mind, man. And so, do you have any parting thoughts on that? Well, and I think that's the reason why. You know, uh, in the U.S., the federal government will have to, at some point, come in and, 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 and tighten up regulation around security, right? We see a lot of movement on the, on the state level, and the states are getting tougher with, with privacy regulation. I am not sure if the, that is the right answer uh, um, to let each state to... Um, right. I mean, that seems like a regulatory own, nightmare to right? have. I mean, why not a consistent uh, policy across the whole country? Just like they've done in the EU, GDPR is is relevant for actually everybody in the world, right. but it's there to protect the data for EU residents. Right. Why not something for American or you know U.S. residents right. exactly. across the board? And these are, to me, this is a great case study to go to Congress and say, Congress, we need better <laughs> privacy regulations. We need you to step in, right, and, and eliminate, right, these all of these differences in different states. Because I'm sure a lot of these companies that are doing this, they they go to the to the different they go to the state that's easier for right, them, right? right? Set that up shop has, there. Yes, set up shop there. They they have less liability and uh, they cannot even be prosecuted for yeah. things like this, right? In in many cases. Well, that's, that's a really good uh, observation. And um, I know we're running out of time here. Hey, um, I would like to thank everybody for listening to our program. Our, our listenership numbers are, are going up at a, at a pretty steady rate. Really appreciate people um, who have subscribed, liked our program. I do have one request, though. And this is the first time I request it, but I'm going to be doing it more in the, off, in the future. Please, if you, um, if you listen and you enjoy our show, go over to iTunes and uh, and you know hit hit uh, a rating and I don't care I mean if you give us a, a one star five star just go over there and please give us a rating and if you if you have some time to, to write some type of feedback we would greatly appreciate that we're working really hard here to uh, to bring some some more uh, industry experts on and the support that we get from you is greatly appreciated thank you everybody thank you everybody cheers and uh, stay secure cheers. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk.